there. Oh, it's so good to have you all. Then a portion of your Father's Day, worshiping God for the gift of fathers, no better place to be. Dads have a lot of challenges in their role. Let me give you an example. Back in 1992, it was published in the Boston Globe about a man who was transporting his kids. So he took his three-month-old daughter and put her in a car seat, snapped her up, got to give him credit for that. But he forgot about his three-month-old son who was in a car seat on the top of the car. Yeah, a cute guy who laughs memory. I mean, and so he got in the car, and he started to drive, and he got on the interstate, and he accelerated, and he got up to about 50, degre- 50 miles an hour, and all of a sudden, the car seat on top of the car containing this child flew off. It flew off. And it hit the pavement on this interstate highway, and it skidded, and it came to a, a stop. And thankfully, the boy was not hurt in any way. Now, that is a miracle. The good news, now the bad news is he had to tell his wife. Can you imagine that conversation? Huh? Oh, mercy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was Mother's Day as well, to top everything off. Yes, dads have challenges along the way, and, you know, it's interesting. What happens is, is we have Mother's Day, and we say, oh, moms, you're so overworked. You put out so much energy and so much love, and we just want to encourage you. And on Father's Day, hey, what are you guys doing, man? Get to work. What's going on? It's just a total opposite. So today I'm going to go light on you guys. I can't promise you about future years, but today I'm going to go light on you. And I'm going to talk about some of the natural challenges that we have in being good dads. There's there's a lot of things that are working against us. Talking about being a dad. What's the first challenge? The cultural challenge. The cultural challenge. Over the last 40 years, uh, dads have become optional equipment. Of course, the technology, all you have to have is a little bit of the genetic material that the father, (laughs) part of the process, and you don't even have a dad. That was very disturbing back in that day. But it's like, yeah, dads, they're okay, but a lot of people felt, hey, women can do it alone, we don't need dads, those type of things, and the role of the father has just been diminished over the years. I mean, look at our American dad, uh, Homer Simpson. (laughs) You ever notice in media that dads are always portrayed as idiots, right? And why is that? I think there's a reason for it, because that's how our culture views dad. They're, they're just not that important. But friends, 
We know that God teaches in His Word that dads are essential. They are critical in the development of a life, of a child. When we think of all the problems that we have with our kids today, we talk about uh, addictions and uh, teenage pregnancy and delinquency. We, we could go on and on. But it's not, when you look at the numbers, it's not about race. It's not about economic status. It's not about geography. The key difference between kids who struggle and kids, well, they all struggle, but kids who, again, uh, do well in terms of just moving into life in a healthy way, is an engaging, caring dad. If the dad is missing, something significant is missing. Let's pray to the Lord as we get started. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would guide our thoughts, that we would listen to your Spirit during this time, especially dads, and that you would encourage us and exhort us. Lord, thanks uh, for the joy that we experience this morning as we celebrate dads, and I pray that dads really feel honored. At the same time, I know that there are a lot of people here who are struggling emotionally. This is not necessarily a positive day for them. I know a couple of families in our church who, who lost their dad this past year, minors who no longer have their dad uh, with them. Obviously, people have lost their dads who've grown older and and they're grieving over that. And, and then some people have really difficult relationships with their dad. They might have no relationship at all. All their memories are negative, And it's really hard for them. I just pray that you would pour out your grace and comfort upon these people, letting them know that you are their Heavenly Father and that you are the perfect Father and that you will care for their emotional needs and strengthen them for each new day. In Christ's name, amen. Yeah, dads are critical. I was watching the news this past week, and I saw a story about a Philadelphia neighborhood that was crime-ridden. And at the elementary school, they had intentionally tried to hire more male teachers, African-American. And why did they do this? Because obviously in parts of cities, there's a lot of dads missing. And what they saw is that when a, a man walks into a room with, with elementary kids, there's just a totally different feel. In fact, they've done recent studies that show that if a child just has one teacher in elementary school, there's an African-American dad and they don't have a dad, that there's a much greater possibility for them to succeed and move on. Now, why is that? Because God built that into dads, into men. 
to have that type of impact upon children. Other studies show that a dad has a very primary role in helping their children to determine right or wrong. So, a, a significant role, greater than the mother. But the dad is the one who represents that, and the kids pick that up from the dad. Another thing is that dads have a very primary influence upon kids in regards to gender, in regards to a little boy understanding what it means to be masculine and a a little girl to understand the importance of being protected and and femininity, what that's about. Isn't that interesting? I was at a church in the area this past, last couple weeks, and I came across this sign. And I was kind of far away from it, so I kind of looked at it and I said, that, what's the deal with that sign? <laughs> Something is missing. So I got up close and, of course, I noticed the person with just half a dress. And I tell you what, friends, I'm going to remember that moment for the rest of my life. It just shocked me. Now, again, I've been following all the gender wars and but to actually step into a place where children were and to have that type of sign, wow. Our culture now has totally, is going to totally confuse our kids about gender roles. And if you're a parent, you're going to have to explain that sign to your kids or a grandparent or or someone else. And 20 years ago, when we started this church, if you told me that, I would say, you have got to be crazy. People are questioning gender now. That's not going to happen. Well, that's how far things have gone in such a short period of time. Now again, people have different views and God loves everyone and we love people. No matter what they believe, we want them to come to the truth of Jesus Christ that He is a Savior. But at the same time, of course, we don't have to accept their view in this area. Because we look in the Word of God and God created Adam and Eve. He created Adam as a father and a husband, and Eve as a mother and a wife. And that is truth. That's the way societies have functioned throughout the ages. The family is the building block. And when you start to redefine the family, you're going to only experience pain. God doesn't give His laws in order to have us experience pain. He says, don't go these directions or you're going to experience pain. It's like uh, someone told you, you know what, there's a secret that not many people know. Now, you drive a car that requires unleaded gas, but I have heard if you put diesel fuel in the car, it will run much better. In fact, I am sure of it. We go over to Thornton's, 
pick up the diesel. <laughs> What's going to happen? You're going to destroy your engine, right? Because it's not, it's not the right type of fuel. That is absolute truth. There's no doubt about that that will happen. And friends, when you dismantle the family, bad things are going to happen. People are going to experience more pain than they experienced before. And again, dads, remember, you're the primary person who is the most influenced in teaching your kids about right and wrong. You are critical. You're not optional equipment. Proverbs 27 the righteous who walks in his, in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. What's the thought there? Well, as you seek to walk with Jesus, to grow in your dependence upon him, to live your life based upon his truth, that's going to have a direct relationship upon your children for good. So we have a cultural challenge that's growing greater. We also have a feedback challenge. Guys are all about feedback. You know, when you're playing sports, what do you study? What do you look at? You look at the stats, right? The stats tell you everything you need to know. You might not want to know them, but you want to know, you want that feedback. Because guys thrive on feedback. I was trying to find on Google how many stats does the NFL keep on every player. And I, I, I couldn't find it. But what I found out was that they, they put chips on the players' uniforms. Uh, they put them on their helmets. Uh, they put them on the ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And one of the benefits of this is the broadcasters in the booth when they see all these runners running, they know who they are. Their names appear right there because of this chip on their helmet. And they can even tell how fast a guy is running down the field. So, so it's more for the broadcasters and, of course, lovers of John Madden football. So you can feel, <laughs> right? Feel the action. Yeah, we love feedback. And it starts out school, you know, with grades and testing, and we move on in the work, performance uh, reviews. We want to know how we're doing, if things are, are going well, and certainly how we can improve. Okay, so that's the way we're living. And then, then you move into the daddy role, and what kind of stats do you get? What kind of feedback do you get from being a dad? <laughs> you get the occasional little smile and you know cuddle up and things of that nature. That certainly is nice. But you get a whole lot else. And you're working really hard trying to raise these kids. And you have no idea where you are on the field. Right? You have no idea, am I doing this right? Am I not doing this right? God bless wives who encourage us. But we want feedback. I think the guys, just like with fantasy football, they get a group together and they compete as dads. Right? 
Wouldn't that fire guys up? You know, how many diapers did you change this week? And you get a certain number of points for that. And how much sleep did you lose? Huh? If a guy's saying, okay, I'm in third place, and I, if I get two more camping trips in, I can go to the daddy playoffs. Now that would fire guys up. But of course that doesn't happen, right? Yeah, it's, it's tough being a dad. It is. It's tough being a dad. And, and, and it's really challenging when your child only gives you negative feedback, right? Kids go through that period of life and sometimes it's longer and trying to find themselves and all you're getting is negative feedback. And you're saying, this game ain't worth playing. I'm drawn back. I'm going to go back in my isolation. My wife can take care of it because uh, I don't know how to play that game and it's just painful. See, that's... That's what's needed with a dad is to stay in the game when nothing is right. When they always are coming against you and you try to think of the right thing to do and then you get upset and you get these emotional ties with your kids are so strong and when there's conflict, it's so painful. But you can't step out of the game, guys. Yeah, you can. But God wants you to stay in the game. And that's when you need the Holy Spirit. That's when you need guys surrounding you saying, Hey, I've been through that. In fact, you might not find out what your return on investment is for 10, 15 20 years. And that's why a dad is being so tough. Because we have to have confidence in the Lord that will continue to work in our children. And, and friends, that's why it's so important to encourage dads. Because they're not getting that feedback that they need. So make a point of doing that. So we got the cultural challenge, the feedback challenge, then we have the training challenge. Proverbs 22.6, you're probably familiar with this verse. Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now that's not a guarantee, but yeah, there's a general principle that if you train them up, They'll go in, in the right way, but all of us know the majority of families, you know, one child just struggles for whatever reason. And, and it's the same house that you brought the other kids up in. And you say, why? Well, because that person has an independent will and they can do what they want to do. Uh, but, but that's the child that you have to invest in the most. It's not the child you turn away from. 
That's a child you lean into. That's a child you pray about. That's a child where you keep keep working, keep investing, keep loving because God put that special child into your life. And He wants to do amazing things through them. One of the challenges here is that most of us, most guys, I would say, grew up in a home where the dad was not the spiritual leader. It's very clear in Scripture that you should be the spiritual leader. Now, in our culture, women tend to take on that role uh, because many times the dad doesn't want it at all. But again, the woman loves when you do take on that role. When you do take leadership and say, hey, we need to encourage these kids. Uh, We need to teach them God's Word. We need just to be talking about it all the time. But I I want you to think, dads, okay, think with me here. I want you to think back to your father. And was he someone who spiritually invested in you, which means that he was pursuing a godly life? as a real high priority for him? And was he taking opportunities to to teach you about who God is and how he fits into life and a Christian worldview? And was he and your family involved in a Bible-centered church? Now, I want you to raise your hand if that was the case. Look around, guys. Keep those hands up. What do you see? A lot of your dads, they didn't know how to do that because maybe they weren't Christ followers. I mean, dads are great with teaching sports and academics and hobbies. And and that's wonderful. That's what a dad should do. But at the same time, I think that one of the main challenges that we, as, as guys who are Christ followers, who really say, yes, I should do this, but it doesn't happen, and we say, why? I, I know what I should do, because you've never seen it modeled. You didn't grow up in a family like that. You're not sure how to do it. Modeling is the most effective way, obviously, to... Uh, help a child in socialization and, and build a strong foundation. Modeling is everything, right? But we don't know how to do it. And friends, that's why we're here together as a disciple-making family. To encourage each other, to teach each other, to train each other in how we can be that kind of man. Modeling a godly life. Now, this is a short caveat here. Um, everybody's at a different place. We call it the disciple-making pathway because we're disciples of Jesus Christ and our goal is to come into relationship with Him and grow and mature and uh, serve Him and live for Him. But everybody's at a different spiritual spot. So maybe there's some dads here today that say, hey, this is interesting, but uh, I don't even know if I have a relationship with God. Well, it came to the right place. Because we want to encourage you and guide you, whatever you need to do to check this whole thing about Jesus Christ out. 
You're not saved by what you do. You're saved by what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. And it's when you humbly come and say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I repent. And I want you to be my Savior and be my Lord. Please, please forgive me. That is when you cross that line and become a follower of Jesus Christ. And then our job as a church, Jesus Christ told us, is to make disciples to move you along in that way. So sometimes the problem with messages is that there's so much to do. I mean, if you're right, got to do that, got to do that, got to like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. <laughs> but we talk about here at Springbrook, the question is, what is the next step on your disciple-making pathway? Maybe it's to be baptized by immersion, to tell other people about your love for God, or maybe it's to go to one of the workshops that we have that can help you to learn all about what Springbrook is all about. That's a starting point, so go to that one first, and then we have others. Uh, we have all types of opportunities for relationships, and we want to encourage you. But for each of us as a Christ follower, there's only one question we need to ask. What's the next step? And who's going to tell you what the next step is? The Holy Spirit. Yeah. He's inside. And if you start asking, He's going to start answering and you're going to start growing. But you've got to say, what's the next step? And listen to the Spirit. The first modeling a godly life. And then teaching through Bible study, conversations, and experiences. So, this is... <laughs> yeah, first, informally, when can you talk to kids about God? Well, one time is when they have problems, when they have issues, when they don't understand something. That is a time to, to grab that teachable moment and say, you know what, son, daughter, let me tell you something about God. Let me tell you, let me show you in Scripture, I can Google it, you know, what does God say in this situation? Because God loves you and He wants the best for you. And I want to let you know that. And one thing, a simple thing, always pray with your kids. Every time you have a discussion about some issue, something they're being open about, pray with them. Get into that practice early on saying, hey, let's pray about this because that's the most powerful thing we can do. And again, if they're not comfortable with that, saying, I'll pray for you. And then follow up and ask them how it's going. That's all about a part of the discipleship process and bringing kids along. And then the whole idea, maybe you, want to, you do, a, let's say, just a weekly devotional with your kids and your family. I'm not asking for a whole lot here, but just one time during the week when you take, I don't know, a half hour. I mean, mealtime, I don't know if it exists any in American culture. But the point is to take one time when you sit down and again, you take the devotional, you can just read right from the devotional. It's very, I mean, it can be very easy. All right? And, and, and you hope, 
probably know more than the kids. Even if you don't, it doesn't matter. Because you're teaching them and you're learning. But the most powerful thing is that that child thinks, oh, wow, this must be important. That my dad's taken a half hour. I mean, we're all over different activities, but he's taken a half hour to talk about God. That's modeling. That makes an impression on your child. Yes, this is a part of our family's life. This is the God we love. This is where we go when we need answers and encouragement and everything else. And personally being active in a Bible-centered church and leading your children to do the same. Disciple-making family. We have... We invest significant resources in our youth and children's ministries. We put a lot of money toward those because we know how important they are. Uh, I got mad as our youth pastor and the great group that he's got there training kids. And then, of course, we have Michelle and Marcy working with our kids of the kingdom. And VBS is coming up. There's an opportunity, right? You want to make sure your kids are there, but to invite other kids. You see... You need to teach your kids about the importance of telling others about Jesus. What better way to say, who shall we invite to vacation Bible school? We've never done that before, but I know it's important. I mean, we like it, so why wouldn't other kids like it? They might come to know Jesus as their Savior. Look at these stats, dads. Kids who grew up to be godly adults. If mom and dad went to church, 72%. If only mom went to church, 15%. If only dad went to church, 55%. What do those numbers tell us? Again, the impact that the man has, the dad has on his kids is significant when it comes to moral issues. So if you're a dad here and you come once in a while, that might be your first step, your baby's step, of just coming more often. Coming more often and and being engaged in that way because it makes a difference. So what will be your next step? Maybe it's engaging with Jesus Christ. Find out what that is all about and, you know... Talking with someone who can help you unpack that. Engage with your kids. Yeah, do something different this week you normally don't do. Now, again, you'll do that this afternoon, hopefully. Uh, But also throughout the week, just take extra time with your kids. Or pray with your kids. And engage with a friend. We believe here at Springbrook that spiritual change That spiritual change place takes most effectively when you're in a relationship with someone else. You might be serving. You get to know other guys. It might be a small group. Well, that's a great place to, to learn and grow and ask questions or try it. Maybe just a couple guys there talking about dad issues. If you're interested, put that down in your communication card. 
you'd like to talk to other dads, or, or just a friend. Somebody you have as a friend and say, hey, could we just get together monthly kind of just to talk about this journey that we're on? There's all kinds of resources out there, dads. Uh, I love Focus on the Family. They have a podcast for parenting, and it already has 400 episodes. <laughs> so whatever question you might have, I'm sure it's there. This is just some of them, you know, understanding teens' behavior, forgiving the past, embracing the future, conveying God's love through discipline. So on the commute, doing landscaping, you know, just listen to a podcast. Look for what's interesting to you. Focus on the family. Uh, you'll find those. Now this is our, <laughs> the elders of Springbrook. A great respect for these men. They come in on Fridays and, oh, our, our seniors serve so much. They give so much to our ministry and they're cleaning and putting bulletins together. And, oh, it's just wonderful to have them around. So I just asked them, okay, well, I'm preaching on this. What should I say? You know, would you encourage me to say? And uh, the one thing that came out of it, uh, there are many things that I've included, uh, but is to enjoy the journey. Now again, they've been on the journey, right? And of course, most people say, I wish I would have just slowed down a little bit because guys, we're driven by goals and getting things done and so often we're so caught up in our heads with the things we've done, the things we want to do that we miss the children that sit right before us. When's the last time you just got down with your kids for about 10 minutes and you played with them and you just said, ah, oh, thank God that this child is in my life. Thank God that I can have an impact on their lives. And just enjoy them. Enjoy the journey. I talked to Pastor Rich and I said, what should I say, Rich? And he said this, Never give up. Because if you're a dad, you're going to be tempted to give up many times. Sometimes you will give up. It's a marathon. This is not some type of perfect thing that you have to do. It's a journey. Never give up. You know, I'm so thankful uh, to have my mother-in-law with us today, Lori's mom, uh, Carolyn Hawbaker, and it's always a joy to have her in our services. Uh, would you like to stand up? You don't have to. Whatever you're comfortable with. <laughs> but I just have such a love and respect uh, for this woman. Um, she's just a, an awesome lady. There you go. Yeah, I just love her so much. We loved working with the family. Oh, yeah. They were very involved in our Awana clubs in the first 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. And uh, Everett uh, was leading the Awana clubs, and you were engaged in there. And uh, they really helped get that thing off the ground. So we're so thankful for that. And, and you know, I was thinking about her as she came today, and I thought about you know generation to generation to generation. Okay, so uh, she born in Iowa, right? Yes. Yes, thank you. Okay. Born in Iowa, all right? She wasn't a Christ follower, 
right? But her family, you can correct me here, her family became Christ followers, or some of them did, when you're about fourth grade, is that right? And you became a Christ follower, right? right? And then Everett, uh, your husband, uh, he was on a farm working really hard, <laughs> and there was a guy that wanted to send him to camp and pay for it. And so he went, and he became a Christ follower at 17? Well, well whatever. Something like that. Something like that. And uh, they came together, and they had a God-centered marriage, a God-centered home, from which my beautiful wife came. And thank you for putting up with raising her. I know she's very rebellious. No, but they were church planters. They also uh, worked with churches that were struggling. Uh, they worked with Awana, ever worked with the missions, and were totally traveling them all over the world. You know, we weren't perfect. Though. Oh, we weren't perfect. are you sure? Okay. <laughs> but okay, so Lori and I, and then you had six children, right? Yes. All right. And they had, uh, what did you say, 25 grandchildren? Right. And maybe over 40 great-grandchildren? Right. Now just think about that, guys. We're so in the moment. We're so, what needs to happen this week? We're not thinking about the big picture. But God used these wonderful people. I could do the same thing with my dad and mom. They, they became Christians. Uh, and so that started our heritage and the same thing with my dad. Uh, my, my father-in-law led him to the Lord. But again, let's just stop thinking about today. When you're in those dark times with your kids, think about the big picture. The big picture. And, and maybe, how many are first-generation Christians here? First-generation Christians. Okay, you're... Parents weren't Christians, but you became Christians, all right? You are starting a new generation. A new generation. And God is going to use it in amazing ways. So when you're struggling spiritually, when you're struggling with your kids, just remember, I'm doing kingdom work here. I'm doing work that will last for an eternity. Because that's what God has asked me to do. Dads, it's tough, isn't it? But God is our strength. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. I thank you for my mother-in-law and father-in-law and my mom and dad and how they brought us together. And uh, you brought us together and we were able to have three kids who are walking with the Lord and and uh he's not here today, he's engaged with his church that he's attending. And Lord, that is all your grace. That's nothing about us. So I want to encourage dads who are in the first generation. It's going to be tough to get started. It's going to be a learning process. But just to think of how they are going to impact their grandchildren and great-grandchildren if you tarry. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Christ's name, amen.
<laughs> I appreciate that so much. Hey, it's great to be together, isn't it? On Father's Day, to celebrate our great God who gave us the gift of being a father. Well, father, father's lives are always filled with so many challenges. For example, this is back in 1992. It was in the Boston Globe. <laughs> there was a man who was transporting his children. So he took the car seat of his 20-month-old girl and he put it in the car and you know, latched it up. You got to give him credit for that. The problem was is that he forgot about his three-month-old boy that was in the car seat on the top of the car. <laughs> Acute guy memory lapse, we call it. So he gets in the car and starts to drive, going toward the interstate, gets on the interstate and starts to accelerate to like 50 miles an hour. I mean, he is really cruising. And he hears something scraping. This is typical guy behavior. Here's a noise in the car, but he doesn't think about the kid on the roof, right? And so he's sailing along about 50 miles an hour, and all of a sudden, the, the car seat lifts off, and, and it skids along the interstate and stops, and no one is hurt. Well, that's good news, isn't it? The bad news is he had to tell his wife about what happened here, and you can imagine that her eyes rolled back many times in her head, and it had to be Mother's Day that particular day. <laughs> That's guy behavior. Well, we want to argue you guys dad, and we know the weight of your heart, so we're going to have our ushers come forward at this time, and dads can take a, a pack of cookies. We've got three in a pack, and yeah, we hope you enjoy these. Uh, just want to let you know, we think that you are special. Now, being a dad, there's a lot of challenges that come our way. A lot of challenges. First of all, there's the cultural challenge. I know that over the last 40 years, that the role of a father in a child's life has been minimized greatly. That, of course, we know that uh, many times... Uh, they don't even need the dad, just some genetic material in order to have a child without the father as a part of the relationship. But what we don't understand as a culture is how significant, how necessary it is for the role of a father to be part of a child's life. When you look at all the problems that we're struggling with our children, whether it be poverty, uh, whether it be delinquency, uh, teenage pregnancy, drugs, gangs, there's one common denominator that we see that's missing. When kids are struggling with that, typically they do not have a dad in the home. And that's what leads them that way. And it's nothing about race or economics or uh, other issues. 
uh, in their lives. It's all about a dad engaging, loving, and raising that child. That's been seen in study after study after study. But if you look in our media and say, how are dads portrayed? Well, you think of Homer Simpson. Now, that is not a role model you want for a father, right? And, of course, we could go on and again with different illustrations of dads. They are not portrayed well. And, friends, the media is powerful. It presents dads as dumb, stupid, and inadequate. And people start to believe that, again, that the dads are not that important. I was watching the news this past week. And I came across a story, watching NBC News, about a school, an elementary school in uh, Philadelphia. Crime-ridden neighborhood, all kinds of, of problems. And this elementary school decided to get specific and targeted about how they could solve this problem. So they hired like 13 African-American men to be in the classrooms to teach these kids. Primarily, it had been women uh, before that. And because of the absence of dads in this community, this made a, an incredible impression on these kids' lives. And, and they even did recent studies to show that even if you just had one African-American male teaching you as you grew up in school, it increased your chances of, of going to high school and, and being successful and, and not running into some of these problems. You see, God made dads, and he made dads to, make a, to have a very special impact upon child's lives. Now, as you look at the role of a mother and a father and studies that have been done, uh, again, the role of a mother is very, very important. Probably the most influential, no doubt, in children's lives. At the same time, uh, there are different areas. For example, like with a mom and a dad, about 50% is impacted or impacts a child in self-esteem. Dad's about 50% and mom's about 50%. And when you look at a, a child's life and, and how... They're impacted, for example, in the area of morals, of right and wrong. Dads are the primary influence in kids' lives when it comes to know what is right and what is wrong. Isn't that interesting? So if the dad's missing, of course, the mother's going to do as best she can, but but God made dads to really communicate that. Another area that dads really are the primary influencer in is a gender. Gender. There's something about a dad and a child's life that helps children understand uh, how to be a woman, how to be a man, how to feel masculine as a man, and, and for a little girl to feel protected and, and get... You know, bringing that side of femininity. And so when you take that out, that's a real problem. I was at a church in Crystal Lake 
this past, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, I, I go there once in a while, and I tell you what, it's a moment I will always remember in my life. This is what I saw. Yeah. I mean, I was just doing my thing there, and I, I looked at that, and I, I said, what is that, and what does it mean? I'm kind of slow. <laughs> so I had to look closer. Oh, it's half a dr- Oh, okay. yeah, it's a gender issue. Now, this particular church uh, teaches things that we do not agree with in terms of how the Bible teaches about this whole issue and situation. But, you know, when uh, as you grow older, you think about, oh, how different. I mean, you talk to your mom and dad, right, when you're growing up, and, oh, yeah, you hear about all the technology that's changed and life was like back when the good old days. Well, I'm getting there. And, yeah, things have changed. And I looked at that. And never in my lifetime did I think there would be such confusion about gender. It's kind of one of those moments saying the world has really changed. Friends, any technology changes are so minimal when you start fooling around with who you are as a person and the gender that God has given you. Now, we love people who struggle with different sins, and we struggle with sin, but at the same time, we love them, but we don't have to agree with them about how they live their lives and especially how it impacts our nation. Yeah, we love them, but God's very clear in Genesis. He made Adam and Eve, man and woman, husband and wife, and father and mother. That is God's truth. Now, some people are saying, well, this is our truth. This is what we believe is the healthiest way to go about life, redefining the family. Well, they can say that, but I tell you what, it's going to create more chaos, more confused individuals than ever before. It's like if you have an unloaded car, and somebody tells you, saying, hey, listen, there's a secret. They're not talking about it, but diesel is better for your unleaded car. Now, it's a little more expensive, but you're going to get so much greater performance out of it. So you go up there, and instead of pushing unleaded, you, you push diesel. <laughs> What's going to happen? You're going you're gonna to ruin the engine, aren't you? Now, that's their truth, right? But there's absolute truth. You do not fill your analytic car with diesel fuel or you will destroy the engine. And this is what we're talking about here. God's truth, absolute truth. Don't be mixing with the genders because it's going to cause a lot of pain. And really, when you think about God and how compassionate it is, he doesn't want us to experience pain. But again, people continue to move away from him and to move away from moral absolute truth. 
You know another reason I wanted to show this, especially to you dads? You're going to have to explain this to your kids. And grandparents, you're going to have to explain this to our kids. When we look at the media in five or ten years, I don't know if we're going to watch any show, <laughs> really, in regards to how this is going to permeate our society. And I say, for you dads today, you have even more of a significant role than I did 20 years ago because you have no longer the culture reinforcing biblical truth. I mean, you've got to teach them that, no, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and that we live in a culture that's removed God. And they think it's truth, and they, but it causes all kinds of pain. Proverbs 27 says, The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Dads, God has called us to walk in integrity. He has called us to model our Christian lives for our children. And when we do that, when we teach them God's Word, when we live out God's Word, they're going to be blessed. It means happy. You want your kids to be satisfied? You want your kids to be able to handle life? You're going to have to continue to teach them. Because again, Dad, you... From psychological studies, you have more impact on what's right and what's wrong than your wife does. I mean, that's just the way it is. That's the way God, that's why God created uh, husband and wife. They play different roles. And so, dads, them hearing this moral truth from you is more powerful than them hearing it from anybody else. You're not optional equipment. You're essential equipment, and that's how God set it up. Another challenge about being a dad is the feedback challenge. You know, guys are all about feedback. They're all about the stats, right? How well do you know how you're doing if you're, let's say, playing a certain sport well it's all out there in the paper all the different stats about how well you've done you know where you stand and and men like to know where they stand i was trying to find uh the nfl uh information about how many stats they track on each individual player i i can't imagine but what i did find out i couldn't find that i found they're now putting chips on the shoulder pads. They're putting chips on the helmet. They're putting chips on the ball, of all things. So they can track all this stuff. In fact, they can tell how fast a guy is running. This type of technology. And really interesting, it's, it's more for the broadcasters. Because I saw a shot where they were looking at a screen and they could tell who each player was because they had this chip. So it had their name right next to it. So they could keep track of, where is everybody? (laughs) 
Who's got the ball? Who's making the play? And of course, for uh, John Madden's football game, I'm sure that's a big reason they want to track this stuff, just to make it more exciting and like you're there. Good old John Madden. I miss him. <laughs> but we love feedback. I mean, growing up in school, GPAs and tests, and then, of course, uh, we move on in life and uh, performance evaluations uh, all different ways to tell us how we're doing because we want to know. But when you enter the daddy zone, <laughs> there ain't a whole lot of feedback you're going to get. Usually it's really positive and really negative. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's kind of like to the extremes and I tell you, when this is why it's so challenging for us to raise our kids. Because it's going like, well, how are things going here? Where am I at? You know, maybe you guys should set up some type of league with other dads that you know and create like a competition. Like how many diapers you changed, uh, how much sleep you've lost. That would go into the stats there. Uh, again, how many uh, times you take them to the playground. And it'd be competition. Like, okay, I'm in third place now, but I have to go on two fishing trips to make it to the daddy playoffs. Now, that would motivate dads, right? Uh, <laughs> that doesn't happen. In fact, men, as you know, there are times when you are flying blind. In fact, sometimes it's all negative feedback, all attitude, rebellion. And you're thinking, I'm checking out of this because I'm not even getting anything positive. And so we have to kind of think about this and say, okay, I am investing in the life of a child. And I might not know the result of my investment for 20 30 years. And again, that's hard for us. It's like, I don't feel as motivated. That's why we need to encourage each other and say, it is so important when you are so frustrated and you feel you're so ineffective not to give up. Not to give up that you are in one of the most important responsibilities in your life, and that is to raise a child to come to know Jesus and and flourish in that relationship. <laughs> I think about my own life. And some of those painful things have come by parenting. You know, helping my kids through different things. And, oh, it just sucked the energy out of me. And I, I just get so tired. I say, I don't know if I can go on here. I just kind of want to check out. And you can do that, right? You've got a rebellious son, daughter, whatever, and you just kind of check out and you say, Mom, you take care of that. We deflect a lot of things towards Mom that we should own ourselves. Mom is the, not the end-all, be-all. You need to be there. You need to be there to teach them right from wrong. And in the midst of the darkness... When your child has stated to you many times, I hate you. 
you have to say, God has given me this responsibility. And it's painful. It's, it's not like any other relationship I've had. And, and, and I, I've tried so many things. I've, I've sought so much counsel and advice. And it's not working. That's when you need encouragement from your wife and others and from God to remind you, yes, this is not an easy gig. This is the toughest thing you'll probably ever do in your life is to raise children. But it's so much worth it. Another challenge to being a dad is the training challenge. Now, most of you probably are familiar with this verse, right? Probably the well, most well-known a child-raising verse in the Bible. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Okay. Uh, if I train up my child, if I do the things that God's called me to do in teaching them and disciplining them and loving them, uh, in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, this is not a promise, okay? Because I've seen great families, uh, Christian families, where one of the kids has gone AWOL. In fact, really in the majority of families, uh, you many times have one kid go AWOL. They were born in the same home, trained by you in the same way, all that different type of stuff, but they're still individuals. And don't bear the burden, my friends, just because your child has gone AWOL, that you did something wrong. Well, of course you did something wrong. You did a lot of things wrong in being a dad or a mom. We're imperfect. We tend to beat ourselves up when our children turn out in a certain way. What did I do wrong? Well, maybe you could have done better. But at the same time, they have their own will. And uh, so if you're beating yourself up today, don't, don't do that. And I know that Father's Day is a very emotional time. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously it's fun, right? Go out to dinner, uh, have the kids say nice things about you. Give you really nice gifts. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to, but at the same time, maybe you're grieving the loss of a dad. I, I know two families in our congregation who lost their dads when the children were still minors this past year. Or maybe, boy, I tell you, your, your relationship with your dad is really really complicated. Our relationship with your child, I was talking with a man before service, and he said that they have a son, about 37, and the son just doesn't engage. Four granddaughters, and they get to see them. They only see each other like four times a year. It's like they've walked out of their lives. And I know there are people here like that. You know, so many parents, as they age... The kids get so busy with their lives, right, that you're kind of secondary. And some of that is normal, obviously, right? But some of it is, 
is really painful when they won't let you see, oh, don't let you see grandkids and, oh, it can be a real mess, right? But you continue on through the power of God to love them, to love them. Now, dads, think about your dad, okay? All men, think about your dad. I'm going to ask you a question here, all right? Was your dad a Christ follower? Not just a person who went to church, but a person who said, Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord, and I'm depending on him for my salvation and not my good works. That's the first thing. Then did your dad model the Christian life? Was he was someone who was seeking to, to continue to grow? Could you see changes in his life? And then on top of that, was he training you? Was he talking to you about uh, the truth of Scripture? Was he advising you from, from again, a, a Christian world view? And then, were you fully engaged in a Bible-believing church like Springbrook, where you were regularly involved? So, men, I want you to raise your hand if that was your experience growing up. All right? Keep it up there so I can count here. We got... Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We'll make it ten. That's the problem. That's the problem. Nobody ever taught you how to do it. Now, your dad, I'm sure, was great in so many ways, and, and he taught you sports and really was invested in that, or he taught you about whatever his hobby was. He taught you how to take care of cars or or whatever he did a good job in a lot of areas but if he wasn't a christ follower there's no way he would know how to grow you spiritually and maybe he was a christ follower but he was sitting on the bench not helping you out and what i'm saying is guys i I really (laughs) i want to talk about these challenges because so many times, and I know I experienced it, you know, I'm teaching on this stuff, and I know a lot about it, and I still can't do it. I still fall short, and I'm saying, Dad, why can't you get your act together? <laughs> and I had a dad who was fully engaged, as I talked about. It's just hard because it's not naturally taught to you as you grow up. You can train him in a lot of areas, but spiritually, you feel inadequate. And what you need to understand is that modeling a godly life is the most powerful thing you can do in shaping the values and the morals of your children. Living it out. Let's get rid of the fantasy, okay, guys? The problem is that you have so many different things in your head. Well, if I'm going to be a real spiritual dad, you know, about 25 things. I don't know how to do it. I don't have time. Don't don't do it that way. Start out small. I mean, for example, we talk about our discipleship pathway here at Springbrook and the fact that everybody's on a different path, uh, different part of the journey, different levels of maturity and I guess the first question I'd ask you, is Jesus Christ your Savior and Lord? How do you know you're going to heaven? Is it because of your good works? That's not what the Bible teaches. 
It's a free gift that's given to you because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And maybe you've never understood that, or maybe the Spirit's speaking to your heart right now, oh, we want to help you to become a Christ follower. Talk to me. Talk to others you know. And we would love to tell you more about it so you can kind of check it out. All right? So first of all, you become a Christ follower through a decision you make to repent and believe in Christ. And then you start your journey out. And, and another, another challenge for guys is they always feel inferior, right? Because in our culture, it, the women are the spiritual leaders in the home typically. And again, that's what culture is communicated. It's not the way it should be. And I tell you what, guys, your wives would love to have you get more engaged with your kids, especially in the spiritual realm. But you say, I, I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm a neophyte when it comes to that stuff. Well, man, it's surprising. You don't have to know much when you're working with your kids, because they don't know a whole lot either. <laughs> yeah, you can start the journey, and we are 100% totally behind you in helping you uh, do this. So how do you model a godly life? And I think this really is the most important thing. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you don't have a desire to love Him and, and serve Him, if you've not experienced the joy of the Christian life, there's, it probably isn't going to happen with you raising your kids. So you need to work on yourself first. You say, God, work in me. God, give me confidence. You need someone to come alongside you and help you grow in your spiritual life. And as you grow in your spiritual life, you say, my kids have to have this. Because if you're just coming to church to come to church, whatever, it's no big deal. It, it's not going to ignite you. It's not going to give you the motivation you need. Is that my cat? kids can't live without this? They have got to know what it means to walk with God. Second thing in training up a child, teaching through Bible study, conversations, and experiences. So, again, your dads are at different places. So, we talk about, um, you know, just teachable moments with kids. When you're in the car, before bedtime, whenever they're talking about life, just what can I teach them through this problem that they're having? The kids have a lot of problems, and those are always good times to give them the Christian viewpoint. And the most powerful thing you can say with your kid, let's pray about it. Because what does that teach your kid? Whenever they have a problem, numero uno, they pray about it. You get them in that habit. It's simple things like this that make such a difference. Personally being active in a Bible-centered church and leading your children to do the same. Again, we're a disciple-making community. Friends, you cannot raise godly children in a vacuum you can't say well we can take care of the job no you can't the bible says you can't you need a community around you look at this statistic kids who grow to be godly adults 
If mom and dad went to church, 72%. They continue. If only mom went to church, 15%. If only dad went to church, 55%. What do you see in those numbers, dad? That you just being here, showing up, is going to impact your child's understanding of church and the importance of it, right? Yeah, you play a critical role. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the, dis- in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Don't, don't provoke your kids to anger. <laughs> you know, how do you do that? Well, like perfectionism, you know. I want this done in a certain way, and if you don't do it, I'm going to let you know. Don't go there. <laughs> go for 70, 80 <laughs> percent, whatever it might be, right? Unless it's an issue of the will. Uh, being harsh. Sometimes we're the authority, and how dare they speak back to me? And we get caught up emotionally, and we're harsh in the way we treat them and handle them. No, that's going to make your kids angry at you. See, you want to be able to instruct them in such a way that they don't get angry. Now, again, yes, they might get a little angry, but not because of what you've done. You just presented truth to them. To bring them up, that's a very very broad word in terms of spiritual nourishment, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, that's a verse you dads, I encourage you to print out and put somewhere as a reminder to yourselves. So what will be your next step? That's what we're always asking here at Springbrook. What's your next step on the discipleship pathway? Uh, engage with Jesus Christ. We talked about that. Beginning a relationship or strengthening that relationship. Engage with your kids. So dads, it's Father's Day. What are you going to do today with the kids? Oh, maybe, maybe your goal would be to, to have a devotional time with your kids. You're saying, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Just try it, right? Help your wife help you. I tell you what, your li- wife loves when you get engaged with your kids. When you ca- care for them, love them, guide them. In fact, some studies have shown it's an aphrodisiac. So, I don't know, it's a bonus, right? <laughs> You feel closer together as a couple when you're raising your children, and that just brings intimacy into the relationship. And the other thing is engage with a friend. What we found here at Springbrook is that if you really are going to grow, that you need to be in a relationship with another man. Okay? That's why we have all of our service opportunities. You get to know men there. Uh, that's why we have... Um, excuse me, our small groups, you get to know men there, and our triads, maybe you have a triad, three people talking about fatherhood. Or maybe it's just a friend. And you say to this friend or whatever you do, just say, I want to grow here. Can we just talk about this? Because there's some things I don't understand. That is the way that you are going to mature spiritually and you're going to grow spiritually. And that's hard for men to, to make that step of, you know, saying, I want to be a part of this triad, small group, or friendship. But again, I, I'll tell you what, that is the most important thing. 
In fact, I always like to leave you with tools so you can take away right away. This is Focus on the Family's website, and they have a podcast for parenting. I was looking on it, and I was just amazed. There is like 400 podcasts on parenting, and you can just search through them like I've got up here, understand your teen's behavior, forgive Oh, wonderful stuff. And dads, when you're on your way to work or just doing yard work, you know, listen to these podcasts. There's one also for parenting, a whole other set for parenting. This is the, uh, uh, the true elders of our church. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, we love these guys so much. And they come in on Fridays and they help us clean. They help us put bulletins together. So I sat down with these men. I said, men, share your wisdom with me. And a lot of things I've said, they shared. But the one thing I took away, they, they said, you've got to enjoy the journey. Boy, I tell you, we are so fast-paced, results-oriented, got to get the job done, got to hit the markers in our society. We don't know how to be in the present moment. So just try that, dads. Today, when you're with your kids, just kind of clear your mind and just say, wow, I'm the father of this child, preferably when they're not crying or, you know, misbehaving. (laughs) This is my kid. This is what God's given me. He's entrusted to me to love them and, and to point them in the right way, in God's way, in this messed up world. And they're so beautiful. <laughs> Enjoy the journey. Don't be destination oriented. Bad way to live life, destination oriented. Because you're going to end up at the end and well, I got everything done but didn't really experience it. Right? Never, I, I was talking to Pastor Rich. And I said, Pastor Rich, what encouragement should I give the dads? And he said, never give up. Never Give up. And I know you guys have heard messages like this over the years. And maybe you have given up. Maybe you say, I've done everything I can. And I just want to kind of drop back into my safe place. But never, ever give up. Because you're doing the work of God in one of His creations or many of His creations. Uh, let's pray. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I always like teaching on fatherhood because it reminds me of the continuing role I play with my kids, even though they're in their 20s. And Lord, I just, you know, I know dads are discouraged out there today. And they say, Dan, well, you don't know my kids, you don't know our situation and custody issues. Yeah, it is hard. But I'll tell you, we, we want them to know one thing, is that we're here. And, and we can bring God's wisdom in a fresh way to them if they engage uh, with us. Lord, thanks for this great day, and we give you all the glory in Christ's name. Amen. If we get our verses from forward at this time, to gather our offerings, we just want to thank you for your generosity to this church, your generosity to God, how you sacrifice. You see other people with, you know, 
other stuff, other experiences, and you say, well, you know, that, that money I give to God, I could use a lot of that myself, which we all think at points. But I tell you, when you pay God first, when you make God the Lord of your life, he is going to bring the blessings along to you. Remember, VBS is coming up. Would you please be praying with me that God would bless our VBS, kids would come to know Jesus, kids would grow in Jesus, parents who don't attend church anywhere, don't know Jesus, would say, hey, this is a church that we should check out. This past uh, year, we had our year-end offering, and we usually put that to different projects around the church and outside the ministry. And we have 12 of these parking islands, and they're not the most attractive. And we, we want people to drive by and see our church and say, hey, there are people that care about their property. They care about landscaping, as we talked about before. So this year, we, God has just given us a tremendously discounted price to beautify these islands. That's how God works, right? When you give to them, he always doubles, triples it up. Well, you stand together, and let's praise the Lord together. Higher, higher, hearts burning bright like a fire, fire, voices unite. 